Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. This is your coach, your hostess, Nicole DiVincentis, a.k.a. FigureChick911, coming to you today. We're going to start talking about money. Ha! Okay, the long-awaited topic. All right, so we've been doing a lot of core fundamental work with your own personal character up to this point. We took a little bit of a transition there. We were talking health and fitness, some corrective muscle work, some nutrition. Then we um, dovetailed that into how does that then empower you to build and then infuse and position your people to win. But the next component here that we've got to get into the equation, into our working formula, is the role of money. Now, here's where I'm coming from. Now, you've been li- if you've been listening to the podcast all the while, you know about my personal backstory and that it, for myself, I did not come from, a, let's say I, I did not have a, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Let's put it that way. Okay. And I know that there's a lot of families who had things way worse than mine, but I can tell you from personal experience Growing up in an environment where we worked, we had three family businesses, and we never were able to get ahead. Part of it was because of our money habits, but then the other component, which was a huge factor, was the fact that my stepdad had cancer. And cancer care is pretty expensive. (laughs) And, you know, we didn't, um, because he was sick all the time, we we didn't have a a job or he he couldn't work anymore. um, He got laid off because, well, he was sick all the time. It's pretty expensive to insure and, and care for a cancer patient. So hence the reason why we had all these businesses growing up. They were small businesses. So we ran a daycare center out of our house And we had, I think at one time, seven or eight kids. I want to say they were under the age of three, but there may have been a couple older kids. So maybe under the age of five, we, uh, my mom was an Avon lady. And then my stepdad and my brother and my brothers opened up a landscaping and snow removal company. So we did that. And then we did a whole bunch of kind of like fill in jobs. We had like I remember my stepdad was picking up copper, I think, that he had found on the side of the road, like scrap metal or something like that, and turned it in for money. And I mean, so we always did like little things like that. And I will tell you that for me, coming through that environment and then moving into, I'm trying to gather my, what am I trying to say here? I'm going to tell you that my money dialogue was screwed up. How about that? And what does that mean? What is a money dialogue? So this podcast is going to be specifically for individuals who have come from a background where you were not born with any sort of like entitlement financially. You, things were not handed to you. Okay, And a lot of things that can happen to you when you're growing up in those environments that when it comes time for you to be an awesome steward of your money or when you are working to post yourself up to a higher financial level, which requires a different mindset, a different skill set, different habits, those things, that underlying money dialogue. And this is true whether you have a job or whether you are opening up your own business. That money dialogue 
If it is not set appropriately, it can kill you. Because what will happen, now we've talked about how your body works according to habits and most things, your behaviors ultimately are tied into the function of your brain chemicals. What? All right, so let's do some, let's do some deeper training here so we get everybody on the same playing field and then we're going to come back and we'll transpose this onto what's called a money dialogue, okay? Because we want everybody to have the right information. We want to set you up for success and what we're trying to do here is keep you from what's called self-sabotage when it comes to your financial position, Okay. Whoa, this is this is like a big topic here, all right? Now, I will tell you coming out of an environment where I then went into nursing, I never thought about money. I really didn't. Once I got out of college, I was paying my student loans and, you know, I, I paid my bills, you know, the same time, like everything was grouped. I balanced my checkbook. I mean, everything was legit. But once I got into becoming and working as a nurse, I didn't think about money other than the fact it was there to pay my bills. Does that make sense? I never thought about uh, I never th- thought about the fact that money could work for you. I didn't have that education and I didn't even know that I didn't know it. But there was no financial stress when I got out of nursing school because I was making a higher level of income, so it wasn't even really on my radar aside from the days when I was paying bills. Does that make sense? So then as I was moving along my nursing career, excuse me, and I got to talking to different people who were older than me, who were doing different things than me and making observations within my own profession, but then in the world at large, like why, why does it seem like other people have so much more money than me? And again, I'm a single woman and I've never been married before, so it it may just be skewed as to, you know, when you are your sole provider, like there's no joint partnership, there's no other money, like you are responsible solely for your own way. And so this is, this is going to be the lens through which I am delivering this. And I, I never was looking for a man to cover me financially, but I noticed that there were men who had more money than me. And I didn't pay attention to whether or not they worked in the same profession or not, but I started talking to them a little bit about, you know, benefits and investing and things like that. Because in my mind is, if you want something, you have to go get it. Like you have to work for something nothing is ever given to you. So it started occurring to me that they were either doing something different Not so much that they were given money, but I I was pretty sure that they either worked harder or worked more or they had a higher paying job. Like something was giving, like dripping the money onto them in a different way than it was for me, even though I was not in uh, an unsafe financial position when it came to just like day-to-day living. Does that make sense? So then once I was committed to, all right, I'm only going to be a nurse for a short period of time and I want to do something different. I know that I want to have a higher lifestyle. I know that I, I need to be thinking about retirement and what happens when I'm not working anymore and 
I want to take vacations and I want to do some things, but I'm always finding that there's these lids on, on what I'm able to do because of this factor of money. And don't get me wrong, like I had credit cards and so I played the credit card game for a period of time and then would pay them off and then that's a whole other story. What I'm saying to you is as I was going along and I started working overtime and then I took on part-time jobs as a temporary, like a fill-in nurse where you make a lot of money my financial position never actually increased. It stayed the same, and I can even say confidently that there were times where it was actually worse because I didn't have the right financial knowledge on what to do with a higher level of income other than spend it on the things that I wanted. Vacations, I wanted to compete. I still invested in my education. I wanted to live uh, in a nice place, in a nice neighborhood where I could raise a family. So I was posting up in different areas that I wanted life to grow for myself and for my family, which, you know, still hasn't arrived yet, but my family at large. And nothing ever seemed to improve. It was actually starting to get worse. Well, I knew that business, something in the business world I was going to have to do it. I knew that I didn't know what sort of business venture I would go into. There really wasn't anything that I was highly attracted to that I had as much passion and zeal for as I did when it came to learning about the human body and then taking care of super, super sick people. So there was a, a problem that I faced early on that I wasn't attracted to money. Like it, you could dangle it in front of me. And if I wasn't interested in that pathway, in that venture, it just, it, it just did nothing for me. And I found it nearly impossible to, let's say it was a network marketing opportunity. And I saw like the figures on paper. I saw people who were making bank, like it was, a, and I knew these people. So it wasn't like they were just figments of my imagination. But for me, it was just like, you know what? I cannot imagine myself doing that life. And it was such an utter turnoff that I found that, I didn't know why I couldn't chase money, but it, it really wasn't like, it, it wasn't part of my DNA. It really didn't make me happy. So I had to get different financial knowledge and the right education for me to get squared with what my purpose for earning higher income and then what to do with that money was going to be. Because for me, it's, it's simply not enough to keep me engaged in anything. And that may sound weird. I, you know, you can try to bend and morph yourself in different ways, but it never, it just, like financial reward, just simply, it wasn't enough. Like, or it just, it just, I don't know, it just didn't excite me. You know, being in the game of hitting new targets, whatever that is, whether it was a financial target or anything, like that's where I feel most alive. Like I like the challenge. I like to see how things get better. I like the velocity of improvement. I like all that stuff. 
And you know what? When you hit a reward, it's just kind of like, that's the expectation, but let's get back to work. That's, that's pretty much like how my DNA is structured. But even so, like the background story of what happens when you grow up with the wrong money dialogue is even when you put yourself on a track where, let's say now, I have a coaching and training academy that I'm building. And yes, it's a profitable business. And I want to have that profitization so that I can do different things, create jobs, angel investing, setting up trust funds for you know my nieces and nephews. Like There's a lot of things that I want to be able to do. And then obviously investing for cash flow for my own household and, and for generations to come. Like All that is built into it. But when you have a money dialogue that's running your backstory where you in your core have been told and now programmed that money is dirty, or money is bad, or money is the root of all evil, it can severely dampen your ability to set a proper financial track for yourself in the future. I'm living testimony of this. And I used to think that I something was wrong with me that it was like I was averse to money. When it came to money, like I wanted to have more of it to spend it was it was like bipolar. It didn't even make any sense. Like what I was saying in my head and what I was practicing in my life, they were two completely different things. And it wasn't until I started in the world of personal development where there was one coach in particular, it was Jeffrey Combs, who used to have, and I, I believe he still does, late night, um, they're called more heart than talent, um, calls. And he really gets into some of these underworkings, the things that keep you stuck and and doing the same thing kind of over and over and over again. He started talking about this thing called the money dialogue and how when you grow up in different environments where you come from poverty, you come from hard beginnings. And again, I want to be clear about what a hard beginning is. A hard beginning is not you crack your iPhone and you have to wait three weeks in order to get a new one. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, because that's, in my opinion, that's like a total, (laughs) that's skewed. I'm talking about if you don't have food, if you really like, you don't, your family does not have money for the essentials. And you don't know like where the money is going to be coming from next month. Okay, like real stuff, like you go to a food pantry. Okay, like you don't get new clothes, like everything has holes in it, or you get hand-me-downs, okay? And that's what I'm talking about, that sort of a beginning. And when you go then to make things better for yourself, here's where the brain chemistry thing comes in, and when you're elevating your station of life, if you don't deal with that money dialogue, you end up making like a full 360 degree turnaround circle and sabotaging yourself. So let's sidestep here. Let's talk a little about brain about brain chemistry and see how this dovetails in. So pause about the money dialogue. Let's talk brain chemistry here. 
So everything that you do that's normal in your life, okay? When you get up, where you live, the people you hang out with, where you work, what your daily routine is, okay? Let's just keep it very, very simple. Those habits, that routine causes your brain chemistry. You like you have all these different brain chemicals inside of your head, dopamine and serotonin. Um, it causes them to, let's say, stabilize at certain levels, just based on your daily routine. Okay. And then when you do something new to the routine, you, let's say you change your diet or you start working out or you even, let's say you drive a different way home. Okay, something new, something different. It doesn't have to be, you know, life, life altering, just one simple little thing. Well, it percolates those brain chemicals. But after a while, and you're going to know this, let's take the food and nutrition one. Let's say you start eating really healthily and you clean up your diet and you pull out sugars and you're not drinking alcohol anymore and, and you've laid off fast food and you've been eating clean for a couple days. Now, let's say provided you're eating enough calories to keep your energy levels in your body nourished. Let's say that there's that. But how often do you then start having massive food cravings for the stuff that you no longer eat? Okay, that's actually at the core, that's your brain chemistry. When your brain chemicals get moved out of what has been their traditional and habitual position, it's fine and entertaining in the beginning, but your body really doesn't like change at all, especially your brain. Your brain is actually very change averse. Even though you may like to learn and do new things, your brain at its core and the way that your body is designed is designed to maintain things in a very narrow range. Like it wants your heart rate in a specific range because it wants your oxygen levels all over your body in a specific range. It wants to have your how much water is in your body in a specific range. And the same thing goes with your with your brain chemicals. Like they get set in a specific range and when they get percolated or knocked out of balance, the body doesn't know that maybe you're doing something which is new. It only recognizes the change and it works to put things back to how it used to be because that was its programmed normal. Okay. So we're talking about like the habits and things that you do. So what happens is that when you change your habits, you can go for a period of time and you can fight your body and do all these things. But until you deal with like let's say in this case, a money dialogue, the core issue, what's going to happen is that eventually that broken spoke on your wheel is eventually going to start sticking out at a different place. And what will eventually happen until you reconcile that money dialogue is you will inevitably go back to your previous ways of either spending or mismanaging your money and you will actually end up sabotaging yourself and end up in a worse financial position than you were to ever even start with. All right, so there's one avenue. Or you may feel that because you've been told so many times over and over and over and over again about how dirty money is, how bad money is, how it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven, that it construes and misconstrues your belief about money, okay? And it may put you in a position where you're actually averse to it. 
and you think, well, that's bizarre. I want to earn more money. You do. But your body doesn't know this. Your brain doesn't understand that. The only thing that your body and your brain understands is that for the past how many ever years, you've been told this thing over and over and over and over again. And it's so firmly impressed upon you that to do something contrary to that belief, it doesn't work until you reconcile that issue. All right, so let's get some money facts out onto the table. All right, so first and foremost, money is a made up thing. Now we have money that you can see, you have money that you can touch, dollar bills, different coins, things like that. But it's a made up idea. <laughs> okay, that's humbling. <laughs> All right, the next thing is that money doesn't change people. Money just exposes who they really are. So if somebody is a consumer mentality, more money will cause a higher level of consumption as opposed to producer mentality. Producer mentality, like you're the one who generates the momentum, you're the one that puts forth the action, and you're the one that puts things to work for you. In this case, it would be money. I'm producing more money. I'm either going out, creating my own opportunities, and or I'm putting money to work for me so that I can achieve a cash flow or, you know, profit monetization in some way. Does that make sense? Now, I know that there's a lot of people who say, oh, the country club, uh, club people are a bunch of stuck-up snobs, or all these people ever do is talk about money, or they never want to, you know, they never want to, they, they've got such a tight grip on their money. I want to get some straight conversation out there to free you of some of these misconceptions so that you can be straight on your money dialogue, the things that helped me. All right. First and foremost, any person who seems to have greater financial position than you, you never actually know what their actual position is. Some people may advertise a very high ball in lifestyle, but when you look at their books, and this could be household or business, they're actually broke at a higher level. They're just really good at masquerading it, okay? So you can never make assumptions about how well-off certain people are because of the lifestyle that you see them live in public, all right? So comparison, that's always the thief of joy anyway. That has to be taken out of the equation. Now, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, okay? Rich in my mind, in my opinion, my belief system is that it's the lifestyle. So you've got a lot of what seems to be disposable income. You use it to generate a lifestyle, but there's nothing to pass on to your heirs. And maybe at best you have a month and a half worth of money in the bank somewhere, liquid assets that you can get access to in case of an emergency, but even though you're earning 300 grand a year, you're really not in any financial position 
to stabilize your family or assist in an emergency if the you-know-what were to hit the fan because you're simply spending at a higher level or these people are spending at a higher level. Does that make sense? Okay, so there's that. Now there's wealthy. Wealthy is a little bit, actually a lot bit different. Wealthy individuals, first and foremost, they have the proper financial education. All right? And they understand that money is simply a measure of what you bring to either, let's just say a marketplace. Okay? So whether you have a job and let's say... My example, I'm a registered nurse. I took care of incredibly sick people and was able to manage a very, very high level of conflict, both with the people, the personalities that I took care of, but conflict with when you're taking care of sick and dying people. So when you excel at those skills, you usually are able to turn a higher level of income because of your ability to manage conflict and or resolve people's pain points. Okay? All right, so there's that. Now there's different sorts of pain points. So the 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 more expert you can become at them or the greater the problem that people have and you can become the solution for it, it's just like anything else. People will pay to have their pain points resolved. They will. The wealthy people also know that once you earn a higher level of income, you can't just go and spend it on vacations and cars and different things. You have to accumulate it and put it in a vehicle where it's going to turn more money for you. So this is now we're we're tiptoeing into what we call investing. All right, so you're putting the money to work for you. But your money has to be like your daughter, okay? You always have to know where she is, who she's with, when she's leaving, how long she's going to be gone for, all right, like when she's coming home. Okay, you have to know all those things about her and that's the exact same thing that you need to know when it comes to your money. Now, in order for you to have that knowingness and that awareness, you also have to get very comfortable with talking about money. And when you do that, it probably eliminates 90% of your of your friends if they're not in uh, the proper position themselves. If their money's not working for them, if they're uncomfortable talking about money, those are not the people that you want to be having money conversations with. I'm telling you right now. The people that you want to have money conversations with are the individuals, okay, who, again, are not just earning higher level of income. The people that you want to be talking with are the ones who are stewards of their money and understand how to utilize it so you can get a higher return. All right? And that could be anybody. 
So that next step is for you to do your due diligence and decide who and where and, and how, okay? I'm, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a, a tax person by any stretch. So don't take this podcast as some sort of contractual thing or some sort of financial advisor. That is so not me, okay? I'm telling you where your avenues are and who you need to have the right conversations with in order to improve your situation. That's called due diligence, and that's your responsibility 100%. What I am saying is that who you have money conversations with to go to, quote-unquote, the next level is going to severely impact or impair your ability to do so and then stay at the next level because underneath remember you have that current of brain chemistry that as you start to change your habits you start to become more money aware you start looking at your bank account on a daily basis you start watching and tracking your spending the basic things you start exerting a level of discipline. You establish a budget for yourself. Whatever you have to do to train yourself to become not just money aware, but to be in the position where you command where your money is going, rather than it just like leaking out of your account and you're just, you're just trying to keep up with the bills every single month. Okay, you're the one who's deciding where the stuff is going. It's different. That becomes your responsibility, and you have to have those foundational habits and those, uh, the, the daily methods of operation, if you would, in order to be solidly placed on what's going to be your new financial level. But again, as you do so, your crafty little brain chemicals are going to recognize that you're doing something new. And remember, your brain and your body hates change. And so what will inevitably happen is they're going to kick in and try to sabotage you and get you to spend your money on Lord knows what. <laughs> Hang out with the, with the wrong group of people. You know, just try to show off. You take everybody out. You pay for an entire bar bill. And you end up wasting away your hard-earned money. Okay, so it becomes a cycle. And again, it can be rooted in those dialogues, the money conversations that were shared with you growing up through the school of hard knocks. Okay, money is an invented thing. It's not that it's dirty. And it's not that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money which is the root of all evil. That's the difference. When you earn more money, you actually are in a better position to help a greater amount of people if that's what you honestly like to do. But when you're in the trenches and you are struggling just for survival, and I would venture to say this, this goes beyond my experience, but this is probably the same as it is in, in a dual income household. You have more expenses, especially if you have children. 
But if you honest to God in your heart of hearts, you like to help people, you like to donate to charities, you right? You like to help people, not do business with people. You're going to be able to help people at a much larger and greater capacity when you have a greater resource to do so than you can when you're in the trenches with them. And once I understood, and I think like that message got into my heart, it was a, it was a game changer. And I'll tell you what actually happened. So today, today's actually happy, it's Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to you. This is 2018 when I'm recording this podcast. What happened was about a year ago, I was on Instagram and I started following, it was some guy, I can't even remember who he was, but he was, he's a self-made millionaire and he had posted a question on Instagram that said, what would you do with $10 million? And it was the first time that I ever said what I would do with that amount of money. Like up to that point, thinking about my actually being in possession of $10 million was so off of the charts. I, I couldn't even just, I'm telling you, like it was, it was so foreign I never even thought like that was even going to be a possibility for myself. Like who in the heck earns $10 million? Like I would never have thought of it, but something had changed because of how much work I was doing on the money dialogue front that when he asked that question, it was, I had a bullet list of things that I would do. I would retire my parents. I would pay off their house if that's what they wanted. And I would also find a place for them if, if they wanted to in warm climate so that they would feel better. And I would take care of that. It would be a non-issue for me. I would set up trust funds for my nieces and nephews. And for my unborn children, I would adopt children and I would hire, I said at the time, I said I would hire Beyonce's business development and investment teams. And I would do angel investing. That's what I said that I would do with it. And after that point, it started changing how I was operating in my business and really helping me get like a straight and clear vision on the difference between when I'm working in my business and when I'm working on my business and how those two roles, even though they work hand in hand, they're two completely different avenues that when you're in the business, like now I'm working in the business, I'm your coach right now, I'm in here with you, teaching, coaching, all right? That's in the business. Your eye-to-eye, your toe-to-toe, yes, you may have a little bit more knowledge, yes, you may have a higher skill set, but you're in the business. Whereas when you're on the business, working on the business, you have additional responsibilities. And that is to continue the vertical and horizontal growth of your enterprise, which I always knew. But I never owned the fact that being a business owner and working on the business, because I never had employees up to this point, my job is to create jobs now. So when I talk about like 
you know, our mission with our academy is to revitalize the physical and financial health of people, of every person. In order to do that, you have to become somebody else. And you have to start, you have to have those core fundamental habits, but you also have to have the right money dialogue, like the inside core of your operations has to match what you're doing in the physical realm. And so as soon as those two like slapped into alignment, it was a total game changer. And I will tell you, it's like, it's the most freeing thing, but I still have a lot of people around me who still have that broken mentality of, I never have enough money or, you know, this thing costs too much or those rich people or gosh, the, you know, the people, they need to be pulling higher level of taxes from the business owners because they have all the money. But when you're working on your business, you see things much differently. Number one, and my entrepreneurs, you totally know this, but for my upcoming entrepreneurs, what I'm telling you is that you, you have to change your perspective there where you have taken that risk. You no longer have any safety. You are way outside. You, you don't, not that there's safety in a job anymore, but what I'm saying is uh, for me as a nurse, it's one of the very few industries where I'm going to guarantee for like the next, as long as there's people alive, there's always going to be stupid people in the world doing stupid shit. Okay. So therefore emergency nurses, you will always, you will always have a job. Secondly, as long as America continues to be as unhealthy as they are, or even just people continue to age, people always die at the Thanksgiving dinner table. This, I was starting to like, these are the thoughts that I have this morning. and this is one of the very first Thanksgivings in a long time that I haven't worked, and you will always have a job. But aside from that, like, there's really no job security. But as a business owner, getting to the point at hand, you know you have taken on, like, the highest level of liability because at the end of the day, there's nobody to to shelter you especially if you're doing this thing on your own, you don't have a dual income, right? It's, it's you 100% of the time. And so therefore, when you understand that, and then you start to watch where your monies get allocated because of where you are obligated as a business owner to pay into, you're paying into Sudafuda and FICA, So you start paying attention to the tax rates on the state level and on the federal level. So you start to become a much stronger steward, a much stronger manager, a much stronger person of awareness when it comes to money because you're responsible for that bottom line all the time. And then obviously, as you bring people into your enterprise and you are responsible for ultimately their family because you're providing the job for them. You, I, There's not one business owner that I know who doesn't lay in bed at night and think about the people for whom he or she are responsible for. Yes, you're always worried about covering your home base. Yes, you're worried about making sure that your own family is taken care of. But now when you hire somebody on and you say, you know what, not only do I want you to be aligned with the mission and the vision of our company, but I want you to put your family's livelihood in our hands. 
because we have the financial resource to be able to pay you for the work that you do here. Well, guess what? If something happens, you still have to pay your employees. Guess who doesn't get paid? You don't get paid, right? And you understand like in those early days like that, that's how it is. You don't pull a paycheck and you're taking your money and you're putting it into your business and you're doing all kinds of crazy shit. You're sleeping on couches, you're sleeping on the floor, you're sleeping in your car, you're, you, right? I mean, you're, you're out there and you're hustling and you're doing things in, in completely dynamic ways, which are basically outwardly crazy to most normal people, <laughs> right? You're waking up early, you're going to bed late, <laughs> you don't even know what day of the week it is half the time. I know, I get it. but what I'm saying is when you start working on your business then as the business owner you take a different posture and it becomes very easy for you then to have conversations about money because you understand how it's being used and it's not you're not just consuming it for your own whatever. And that's my perspective. That's, that was my transition. And once I understood that it, it really, even though you're kind of like running two different lives early up in a startup phase, like I don't have a loan. I don't, I don't have it. Like I'm built just on cash where it was kind of like, gosh, but I, I need money in order to be able to stay alive. The second I turned it outwards, And just was like, you know what? (laughs) I have enough food for today, all right? I have shelter. I have a place to sleep. You know, I I have a vehicle I can get around. So everything is covered. I can no longer sit here and worry about something as small as a, a vacation right now. Something as small as buying a new piece of clothing. This has nothing to do with me. The purpose and my role now is so externally focused that all of a sudden any remaining remnants of worrying about money or what people say about money or if I hang around certain family members or my friends and they talk about money in a in a degrading way or you know they talk about business owners and this and how you know there should just be more things siphoned out like I don't have time for those conversations anymore. I just, I, I don't want to be around that type of energy. And what I recognize is the fact that they're speaking from their level of perspective and they don't have the proper information either. Just like I didn't have the proper, the proper information. And once you get that correction on it, And then you start to do the heart work. And for me, I needed to find out what God said about money for me to actually have a breakthrough with my money. Because even though I was being coached in the business world by some of the greats, that underlying dialogue of, I think if I, if I, if I have a lot of money, somehow I'm going to end up in hell. That's what it was. Like, how can this possibly be? But when you go through like a purification process, and again, I make no secrets about the fact that God has primary role in my life. You will hear it probably in every single podcast that I do. You will hear it in my day to day because I swear to you, the more I go along, the more I realize how much I owe him. Just from my being alive for as long as I have been, 
and for all of the course correction that he has helped me with, with uh, throughout the years. But since I decided to, you know, pull the cord on my previous life and, and just do shit in a completely new and different way and make peace with the past and iron out the wrinkles of chaos and drama and to be operating from a place of peace and power amidst crazy circumstances. I, that, the, all of that is totally God's doing. That is, I may have champion mindset. I may have like a freaking strong will, like nobody's business. But at the end of the day, I'm still a woman. I still get scared. And it is only because of the grace of God. I can tell you that a hundred percent that I've been able to not just survive my past, but thrive in a lot of really bad situations and now have that ability to push forward and teach other people how to do the same. That's a new renewed purpose. And it's still like nothing changes. Like my, my view, like, do I need to have the money for myself? No, I actually don't. I, I demand the money because I have the vision for the lives that we're going to be impacting. And it takes money in order to do that. And now I get it. So now my mind and my heart are 100% in alignment. But up to that point, it, it was a no-go for me. Now, the other dimension of this is that when you have family members or close friends and they're watching you move through changes and they're going to see, they're going to hear you how you speak, they're going to see your physical posture, they're going to start, it, it causes like weird kinks in your relationship. So you're going to be, you have to be very attentive to what's happening in your relationships as well. You know, who are the real players? Who's your inner circle? What relationships maybe just need improvement in communication so that you're on, you know, I, I guess the equal playing ground or people understand the ways in which you're changing and which relationships need to be terminated. And I hate to say that, but it's, it's a very harsh truth. And you will find that with any area, that when you are looking to go to the next level, you're looking to move into a state of awesomeness and excellence and ultimately separate yourself from what everybody else is doing. Not from a place of pride, but because those are the instructions which have been given to you because you've been given gifts. Okay, so that's where that's coming from. That then you learn how do you start communicating, but then you also learn the places which you've outgrown and the places which are not in alignment with your vision and your mission for the future. And in this case, we're talking financially. The thing with finances is that numbers don't lie. And so, how can I say this? Like, that's, it's just as simple as that. It's like the difference between having a patient who has a pulse and doesn't have a pulse. Like, there's no you kind of have a pulse. Either you do or you don't. 
<laughs> it's that black and white. You either have money in an account or you don't. You have money in your wallet or you don't. Like it's that black and white. And so your conversations also operate on a very black and white. There's no exception. There's no feelings in your finances. It's not, oh, I feel really, really bad about this, so let me buy more presents because I feel bad that I'm only bringing one thing. Or let me, you know, do this because I feel really bad that I didn't give enough. Or I feel really, do you see what I'm saying? There is no feeling in your finances. There is no feeling really bad. So feelings and finances, they're in completely separate boxes. When you start thinking about your finances, you have to think about them in terms of line items or compartments with lids, okay? So then your feelings are in a completely different compartment, if you like the compartment analogy, okay? So your feelings, like, they, they, it's not like spaghetti on a plate where, you know, things are intertwined. They're, they're totally different. You've got feelings and you have finances. The lids are, are on top. Like, so there's no shared contents. There's no spilling over. You can either have your feelings or you can have your finances. It's that black and white. And it's typically the individuals who make exceptions with their finances all the time because they're using their feelings in their financial decisions. And that's where a lot of the breakdown in the relationship happens. That on the one hand, the highly sensitive feeling people see like, well, you have all this money over here. And then the people who are, you know, tight guardians and they, they're, they're great stewards of their money. They are that way because of their discipline. And here, I, I, let's just, you know, take a step in here. That's a lot of times where you see challenge in financial views and, and the dynamics in marriage. Because you have people who have completely different operating systems when it comes to their views on money. Or even the level of discipline versus not. <clears throat> so that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> But when it's you moving up the ranks and now you have a spouse who's not on the same money page as you, the spouse has to then get the right information. And you have to have together, this is what I recommend in my academy when we do any sort of like relationship coaching and, and there's always a money dynamic. Whenever I do coaching with couples or even the individual, there's always a money dynamic which plays there. Is My recommendation is for every couple to have two dates a week. What? We can't even listen. I'm going to tell you that one date is for your romantic selves. The other date is a money date. They do not intersect, okay? They're just like feelings. Feelings and finances, they don't mix, okay? So your money dates are completely separate. Now, I don't care if your alone time date is you go and you get an ice cream cone and you drive around the block three times, okay? I, I, that's fine. But when you're having your money date, 
you're talking about your financial situation as it is, but where are you driving the financial vehicle of your household? And it would be the same thing in business. If you have business partners or people, you know, who are in those positions, you have financial conversations, excuse me, or you should be. Same thing with your household. Where are we steering this? Are we on the same money page? And the more you bring in our coaching tactics about commanding your emotionality and ensuring that your nutrition is on point so that you're not having money conversations when basically you're hypoglycemic and you're hangry, like the worst time to ever have money conversations. All right, when you're nourished, when you're fed, when you're well-rested, when you have goals, when these things start to become habits for you, not after the kids have been running around, like you, you put this on the calendar and you honor that appointment. When you start to bring this now as a habit, it starts to gradually change those brain chemicals inside of your head. So even the conversations about money, they're no longer painful and your body, you're, not, you're no longer resisting them. You're growing together towards the future and you're becoming excellent stewards of the resources that you have and you become highly attractive of money, <clears throat> excuse me, which has not even been coming to you yet. You start attracting more amounts of money because you're more responsible with it. <coughs> excuse me. Does that make sense? Does that give you some clarity on the importance of having proper money dialogue? Can you see why in relationships, if you have two different people who were taught two completely different things, how you can have breakdowns in a relationship simply because one person has come from the school of hard knocks and doesn't understand how, how you use money. They only understand how to spend money. And why the other individual then has to learn and practice and have awesome communication skills to help shape that other individual. Iron, you know, iron sharpens iron coaching and training. But that dynamic has to start before the marriage even takes place. So this ups the level of when you are in a dating situation. I mean, I'm all for pre-cana and those sorts of a thing, but you have to have, since money is like the number one most feuded topic for marriage for married couples, where's the financial education, the financial literacy component of, of what everybody's doing? Why, why is it not there? Well, guess what? <laughs> we have it as part of our coaching and training academy, Financial Finesse. All right. So if that's something which is useful for you or we offer coaching and training, we call it profitability. Sometimes it's for health and fitness professionals. Like if you need your employees to get on the same page and understand, you know, where things are going and why you're making decisions, how you're making them. 
we do that too. You know, we try to champion your goals in every area of life. I shouldn't say we try. That's what we do. What we're working on doing is marketing ourselves to get out there and be very efficient because there's like all these needs all over the place. We have all these capabilities of doing this stuff is where and how do we actually do that? That's what I'm working on as the business owner now. Does that make sense? Like this is real time. This is totally happening and it's exciting and it's fun and it's growing. It's frustrating as holy hell, right? But you know, once you learn your skill sets and you, and you get practice and and you're you're making your mark and right, the end result is inevitable. It's just like any other process. But you've got to commit a hundred percent to it. So, my business owners, how much money are you allocating towards your marketing? How much money are you allocating towards? A sales force. How much money are you tithing? Does your company tithe? Or give charitable donations? And what part of your budget does it come out of? Does it come off of your gross? Does it come off of whatever's left over? I know. These are important fundamentals for you to establish your business on. For my advanced coaches, I will tell you that, and by advanced coaches, I mean my people who are already up in the spiritual space and are on a firm walk with God, is that you have to remember that everything is his. So withholding money or using it on all different things and not giving any back to God or charitable causes or whatever is kind of silly because that means in essentially like you don't trust that he's going to give you more. You can go read that the the Bible story about the talents. I can't remember what book of the Bible it is. But remember there was like three servants and the the owner, the landowner give gave each of them a certain number of talents and one went out and he he did something with it and he I think like turned like three times profit or something like that. Another one turned a smaller amount of profit and the other one just buried it in the ground and didn't use with it, use it at all. And the, and the landlord or the king or whoever gave him the money said, you, you wicked servant, you selfish and wicked servant, you didn't use what I gave you. And that's the same responsibility that we have is we're commanded to use what he gave us. And that includes tithing and charitable donations. I know. All these things coming out on a Thanksgiving day. And I know that it can be rough sometimes when you don't have the resources that you want yet. Yet being the key word. You're putting into place all the proper habits, all the proper strategies, all the proper tactics. It's just you haven't attracted to yourself yet. You haven't reached the, the culmination of what essentially is like the law of cumulative effect. That's it. Okay? Be right with your words. Know that it's coming to you. 
and give thanks to God in advance. Okay, that's the key, is be always in a state of gratitude for what you haven't even yet received. Gratitude is the major attractive factor. It's like the major, like the biggest magnet ever. So be clear on your goals, be grateful, be disciplined, (laughs) get right with your money dialogue, the importance of communication, the importance of money dates, (laughs) right? 